everyone. So just want to say thank you for joining with us on this first Sunday of the new year of 2021. We're starting a new series today called Jesus Is. And this message today is called Jesus Is My Friend. But over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be taking time to uh, fill in that blank that you see there. Jesus is blank. And uh, the goal I want you to know of this series is to help as many people as possible in Prince George and around the north. And I'll tell you, I've been hearing from people all across, uh, down in the lower mainland and in the prairies, in Alberta and Saskatchewan and uh, other places around the world that are tuning in. So if you're watching, we're believing that Jesus has a goal, uh, and that is to get your eyes on him. And so when we do that, when we we have this goal of getting our eyes on Jesus, not to fix you, not to not to try to fix you, but it's to encourage you to get your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because we know when we have our eyes fixed on him, we will know him better, we will experience him more, and we'll find loving God easier, we'll find loving people easier, and our lives are going to be much happier. And so we're just excited about what God wants to do in your life. You know, there was a, a burglar broke into a house, and uh, while he was in the house rummaging around in the living room, he heard a voice behind him say, Jesus is watching you. And he quickly turned around, and uh, there was no one there. So he got back to searching again, and he heard the voice again, Jesus is watching you. So he turned around, and, and he looked a little more carefully, and he realized there was a parrot in the room. And it was just the parrot, and he felt very relieved that it was just a parrot speaking to him. And he said to the parrot, what's your name? And the parrot said, Methuselah. And he said, well, that sounds like a stupid name for a bird. Who named you that? And he said, the same guy that named the German shepherd behind you named Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? <laughs> I love that joke. Jesus is watching you, and it was a German shepherd. Well, I want to encourage you that we're not sending a German shepherd to your house, but we're encouraging you to get your eyes on Jesus because Jesus wants to get our attention. And we would like you to think about who Jesus is to you, and uh, you're going to have some opportunities this month to fill in that blank. You can find this on our Facebook page and also on our, web, on our website, on the homepage, under the series description, Jesus Is, you can find the link. So click on that, and you can fill in the answer, Jesus Is, and put what you feel Jesus is to you. And uh, again, the goal is not to promote our church or our programs, which we have some great things going on. It's not to promote a political ide ideology. It's not to promote a doctrine we're simply wanting to take this opportunity for Jesus to capture your attention. Our desire is to cause as many people, like I said, as we can to think about Jesus and let him capture your attention. Creating opportunities for Jesus to reveal himself to you. Uh, now, there's some things that we can do that are obvious when we talk about getting Jesus to capture attention. We can invite someone to a service, we can send someone a message link, we can talk to people and share our stories, our encounters with Jesus. Uh, one of the things that I want to encourage you, 
And uh, this is one of the challenges I've felt for this year is to love people. One of the ways that you can uh, encourage people to get their eyes fixed on Jesus is to love them. Be unusual, not weird, right? Love people. Be unusual, not weird, right? So you don't have to be weird. Just be unusual. Be generous. Love people in a generous way. Serve people in a humble way. Uh, Lead people and give of yourself. And uh, that's unusual because usually people want to ask for something or they're they're busy or whatever. And so it's easy to love people in an unusual way that's not weird. One of the greatest enemies of the church, I want to encourage you, and we could think when I say that of enemies of the church, we could think of all kinds of things, is probably not what you're thinking. It's indifference. It's just not caring, not trying, not believing that Jesus wants to do something greater, to give you more hope, uh, to, to reignite your passion for him. And we just get indifferent and we just settle for less. And I want to encourage you, Jesus has more for you. The hope of the church is not politics. It's not a political party. The hope of the church is not a vaccine. And we find we're thinking about the vaccine these days, eh? The hope of the church is Jesus. That's our hope. Jesus is our hope. The hope of the world is Jesus. Jesus is God's plan to redeem, to deliver, to heal, to reveal his love to the world. We're going to be doing a few things this month, and I just want to encourage you uh, in them um, and uh, just update you because I know you're not in the room. You're at home. You're wondering what's going on with Gateway at the beginning of this year. Well, I just want to update you at the beginning of the message here. And uh, one of them is to provide a place uh, to fill in the blank Jesus is. So uh, that's the website that I was talking about. You can go to the website under, under, uh, uh, on, our, on our homepage and find the series description. Or you can go to our Facebook page and, and uh, get some, let's get some traction. Get people thinking about who Jesus is to you. And then we're also doing the Sunday series. Uh, Every week you can come here and we're going to be talking about Jesus is over the next several weeks. uh, Sundays at 11 right here at Gateway Church Live. And you can share these these, uh, services with your friends. Now, I want to encourage you one other uh, thing that's happening new. And I sent an email out to you this morning. I hope you got it. If you didn't get it, it might be in your junk mail. And uh, you can reset uh, that and coming into your inbox, those emails. And something new that's happening at Gateway is that we've, we've started a we- uh, uh, YouTube page. And uh, it's not a brand new YouTube page. We've had a YouTube page for a while, but we're just starting to use it in a public way. And uh, starting today, you're going to find on there a few videos. One of them is uh, our, the message video from last Sunday. And uh, you can share that with your friends. Also, uh, watch it again. And uh, if you missed it and uh, you want to see that, you can find that there. And then you can also like and subscribe 
because every week the Jesus is messages will be posted there. And so you'll get notified if you hit the bell and uh, you'll find out when those are up and you can also watch those again or you can share them with others. So, so that's one thing that's happening in our Sunday series. And then also there's connect groups that are going to be functioning this month. If you want to be part of a connect group, please find those on our website and get signed up into a group at the beginning of the year. It's all happening on Zoom. Uh, the book giveaway for everyone that fills in a connect card. If you're at church for the first time and you want to fill in a connect card, we're going to give you a book uh, that goes along with our series called Jesus Is by Judah Smith. And you can just click that. All you have to do is put your name and email and we'll get back to you. Also, On Ramp is going to be happening this month on January 24th. And On Ramp is four things that will lead you uh, you can, four things that you can do that will lead you to a flourishing life because we want to see you flourishing in your life. Four things you can do that will lead you to a flourishing life. And then another thing that we're doing, man, we've got a lot of things going on this month, a 24-hour day of prayer, and that's happening on the last Friday of January. Uh, go from Friday to Saturday, and you'll give you more information about that, but you can also find it on our website. Uh, another thing we're encouraging you to do is to love someone be unusual, not weird, okay? <laughs> We're asking you, think of a way. Find, pray, ask God, is there someone I can love? Is there something I can do uh, that would be unusual but not weird to love someone in my world? And then number eight is an advanced summit online that's coming up, and we'll give you more information about that. But this is to encourage you in the gift of sharing your faith with others, and a good friend of ours, Bill Hogg, is leading that. And he has got a great uh, ministry of evangelism and reaching people for Christ. So let's jump into the message. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Kimmy said something. I, think, I don't know. I don't want to say I'm quoting her exactly. But it was something like this, and it's been rolling around in my heart. She said, you can't want to change someone more than they want to be changed. <laughs> you can't want to change somebody more than they want to be changed because all that's going to do is leave you feeling frustrated and them feeling manipulated. Have you ever felt manipulated? You know, walk into a store and someone's trying to sell you something. It's like, oh, I don't even want to answer you because I feel like you're trying to manipulate me. It's a gross feeling. You want to run away from that. And that idea of, Wanting something for somebody else, I think we can all relate to that. We all know somebody uh, that their lives are on a path of self-destructing. It can be in small ways, like maybe they're spending too much time on their phone. It's just distracting them from reaching their potential. Or it could be a large way. Some, they're doing something addictive or something that's just bringing destruction into their lives. You know, my temptation is to make rules for people to live up to. When that happens, so that they will be like me, you know, that they'll be acceptable like me. Well, that's a religious mindset, demanding people to live up to standards that I set. That's a religious mindset. The problem with this process is that people who make the rules often don't even live up to the rules themselves. And we see this going on in our world right now. When I was in high school, I led many of my friends to Jesus. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, 
But I, I knew I loved Jesus, and somehow something came through, and people were attracted to Jesus. I prayed a lot. I invited them to youth group. I hung out with them a lot. Somehow they were attracted to Jesus. When I think about it, I think a lot of my friends were just a lot like me. There was one guy, though, in my high school that partied a lot. His life was out of control. You know what? I didn't pray for him. I didn't invite him. I didn't even imagine that Jesus would love him or work in his life. I think what I was thinking underlying was that he was going to have to get better first. And then maybe Jesus would consider loving him. Let's be honest. Mostly good people look down on mostly bad people. Mostly good people look down on mostly bad people. And I'm no different than you. You know, every morning when I walk into the church on my way to work, I walk by our back stairwell in the church. It's an open stairwell in the basement. And quite often I find people down there drunk or stoned. There's needles. There's bottles. There's worse things than that. Sometimes I find them doing things that are despicable. And I find myself judging it's easy for good people to look down on mostly bad people. I want to encourage you. It's a good thing that Jesus is different. I want to read you a journal entry on one of Jesus' days just to get a clearer look at his motivations and his heart for people. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass him by that way. When Jesus came by, he looked straight up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, come down quick. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and looked, took Jesus to his house and in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Wouldn't that be a great tax collector to meet? <laughs> Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man, who's Jesus, came to seek and save those who are lost. May God bless the reading of his word today. So I just want to point out a few things about Zacchaeus from this passage of scripture. Number one, he was the best at being the worst. <laughs> Zacchaeus was 
a chief. The, the Bible says he was the chief tax collector. He was like the best one of all of them. He was the best one. He was notoriously known in his area for being the worst at what he did. Zacchaeus was not just mediocre at being bad. He was the worst. He was the worst one. He was the best at being the worst. Number two, he was rich and popular, even though he was hated. You know, sometimes we read the story of Zacchaeus and think, oh, he was short. Nobody liked him. Well, Zacchaeus was wealthy. He was the one of the wealthiest people in his town. He had friends. He had women. He had parties. He had it all. But people did not like him too. <laughs> he had it both. He had it both ways. He was enjoying the, what he thought were the best things in life. But he was also hated by the people around him. He knew the emptiness of the kind of life that he led. Another thing that we see about Zacchaeus in this story is all he got was rejection until he encountered acceptance. All he got was rejection until he encountered acceptance. You know, Zacchaeus was rejected by the religious. He was rejected by people that he stole from. But he had an encounter with Jesus, the Son of God, that day. And he encountered acceptance. What happened to Zacchaeus? Well, he got some, uh, you know, when he encountered Jesus, when Jesus went to his house, what, what happened? Was it that he got some better rules to follow? You know, was it he got proved wrong by Jesus? <laughs> better, you know, did Jesus have a better, better argument? <laughs> uh, why you should believe in God? Did, uh, did he hear the Bible explained better? Is that what happened to Zacchaeus? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened. It doesn't tell us about the conversation that happened. But we know Jesus. And we know that Jesus didn't argue for more rules. He didn't argue to prove people wrong. And he didn't try to just explain the Bible better to change people. But he encountered Jesus that day. He encountered the person of Jesus. He encountered the love of Jesus, the, the laughter of Jesus, the friendship of Jesus. He encountered the presence of Jesus. You know, something happens in a moment in Jesus' presence that might take years of learning and trying to figure out and reading, all kinds of things. Here's Zacchaeus was a moment in Jesus' presence, and his life was changed. I think some of you would say, yeah, that's what happened to me, Pastor Greg. I was sitting in a service. I was driving in my car, and there was a worship song on. I was laying in my bed, and the presence of God came. And in a moment, my heart changed. In a moment, I cried out to God, and I encountered his presence, and my life was transformed. My life was set on a new direction. That's what happened to Zacchaeus. At the end of the passage that I read in, in Luke 19, we read, we read today, Jesus sums up his life mission. I have come to find people who've lost their way and to love them back to God. That's what he did with Zacchaeus. That's Jesus' mission. Just like me, most of us are surprised when people who are really bad have an encounter with Jesus. 
you know, Zacchaeus' friends and enemies, they would have been totally thrown when Zacchaeus left Jesus that day and said, you know what, I'm going to change. My life is transformed. I'm, I'm going to start giving back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, follow Jesus in such a ridiculous way. I'm going to go broke. They're like, what? No more parties? No more buying us fun stuff and, and uh, treating us good? Man, we don't even know if we're going to like you anymore. <laughs> Can you just imagine what they would have thought, what they would have said. If you've been hurt badly by someone, you probably have in your heart, you want them to pay. Least of all, you don't want God to forgive them. You don't want God to give them his love. So one of the things that we do is we devise this level or this system for bad things that people do. You know, there's kind of like, you know, the not that bad things and then the medium bad and then the really bad, you know, the, the terrible things, the terrible sins that people should not ever be forgiven of. Some people can be loved as long as it's not too bad. But others should never know forgiveness. They should never know the true love of God. That's how some of us think. But that's not how Jesus thinks. Jesus didn't differentiate sin uh, in levels, but he did differentiate sin like this. One day, Jesus was befriending obvious sinful people, and he was being criticized by people for doing it. And he said this statement in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. So Jesus was quoting something from the Old Testament. He said, I want you to show mercy, not to offer sacrifices. I want you to learn that. Love people, he was saying. Be unusual, not weird. <laughs> he was saying, find a way to show mercy. Show love. You know, we can say we love God. That's easy. God's perfect. Now go find someone that's not lovable. <laughs> Love them. Be unusual. Not weird. For I have come, Jesus said, to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So that's, the, there's the two ways that Jesus described sin or sinfulness. He described it in two ways. Number one, either you think you don't sin or you don't sin very bad. Or you see how much you've sinned and how desperately you need God. Those are the two ways that Jesus described sinful. That was his rating scale. You either don't think you sin or you see how much you sin and how much you need him. The common denominator with both of these groups of people, though, is we both need Jesus. And Jesus points it out that we both need him. You know, in the early days of my ministry, in my fact, in the first position I held as a pastor, I was a youth pastor, and as part of a mentoring group in the church, a few of us would go out and share the gospel together. We were being mentored. I was being taught how to do it, share my faith. And uh, in those days, a, a girl who was, I think she was about 20, um, she got saved, and she was coming to the church, and... Uh, she asked if our mentoring group would visit her grandparents. And so that 
day we went to visit them, it was my turn to share my testimony and share the gospel. And so I remember sharing my testimony that I had rehearsed and sharing the gospel message that I had rehearsed. And I got to the end of my presentation and I said, does this make sense to you? And they both looked at me and they said, yes. And I was a little bit taken back. I wasn't really expecting that that was going to happen. And, and so then I said, would you like to receive Jesus in your life right now? <laughs> and you know what they said? Yes. And so I led them in a prayer to invite Christ into their lives, to be forgiven and encounter new life, encounter the grace of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, and to be led by Jesus in their lives. And you know, uh, Carla and I, we became very good friends with this couple. In fact, we moved to another town, and they moved to that town. We were church planting in Lloydminster, and they moved there, and we got to know them even more. And years later, we were church planting in Calgary, and one day I got a call from this man, and he called me and said, my grandson has been diagnosed with cancer. He's in the hospital in Calgary. We can't see him. None of his fa our family is there. He doesn't know anyone. He's alone. He's feeling lonely. Would you go visit him? I said, of course I'll go visit him. Well, I got to the door, and I knocked on the door, and, I, and the door opened. <laughs> The guy on the other side of the door was the guy in my high school who partied and lived a life of sin and hell that I didn't even consider that Jesus would love. His grandpa and grandma had led him to Jesus. Man, I'll tell you, that was an exciting day and a lesson for me. That Jesus loves. He loves you. You might be watching today and think, if only you knew what I have done. If you've only known what I've said and how I've turned my back on people that love me and so on. You could think of all kinds of reasons why Jesus shouldn't love you. I'll tell you right now, Jesus loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, and he wants to have an encounter with you. He called Zacchaeus the chief of sinners. He called him and said, I want to spend time with you because a moment in my presence today will change your life. Maybe you're here today and you, you love Jesus and your relationship with him is just kind of, uh, you're just kind of drifting along. You know, I was talking about that at the beginning of the message today. How we can become indifferent and just kind of lackadaisical about our faith. And you're just starting to get stirred up and turned on. That Jesus still loves you. He wants to have an encounter with you. Igniting your faith. You know, Jesus' biggest critics were religious people. People who looked good and judged other people. Those were the people that condemned him to death. Not the famously sinful people. His critics, they said this, this man is friends with sinners. 
He even eats with them. You know, who does Jesus love? Jesus loves you. That's who he loves. Whether you appear good or bad, whether you've been loving or not, he loves you. Are you satisfied with who you are? Are you living a double life? I think that if only they knew who I really was. Well, Jesus is surprised by nothing. He's come to be your friend. Jesus is my friend. Why don't you just say that? Jesus is my friend. Not because of what you've done. It's because of who he is. And I want to suggest to you today that this is a good place to start this series of Jesus is with knowing that he's our friend. In the book that we're basing this series off of Jesus is by Judah Smith. He shares four stages that we go through in our journey to understand Jesus. I just want you to ask the question of yourself. What stage are you at? What stage am I at? Number one, I'm a good person. Don't be hard on yourself. And you know, there's no, you can't trick Jesus, right? So this is between you and him. So just be honest with him. I'm a good person, and I am justified in judging bad people. So that's stage one. Stage two, I'm a good person, but I should show compassion to bad people. Number three, stage three, I'm a sinner who needs just as much help as the next guy. (laughs) That's getting a little closer to home, isn't it? Number four, stage four, I'm loved by Jesus just as I am, and so is everyone else. And that's where Jesus wants us to be. You know, Jesus knows about those things in your life that you're ashamed of. He knows about how you've been judgmental and critical. He knows about your temper. He knows about your weaknesses and your failures. Don't let those things push you away from the very one that loves you regardless. A new year and a new you is not something that you have to prove by following the rules. (laughs) If you made a New Year's resolution, it has nothing to do with how much Jesus loves you. Start by getting your eyes on Jesus. Getting into the presence of Jesus and seeing what he wants to be as your friend. What he will do in your life. I'm just going to invite you to pray with me as we're closing the service this morning. We're going to invite Jesus to come. If you've never invited him to come into your life, to forgive you, to reveal his presence to you, his his love for you, his acceptance of you, his plans for you. Oh, he loves you. He just wants to wrap his arms around you. Oh, he loves you. I just want to encourage you to open your heart to him. You could pray a prayer like this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. 
Lord, that you would know who I really am and still love me. Lord, I, I want to know your presence in my life. I want to know your love, your acceptance. And so I'm just inviting you to come into my life. Change my life, Lord. Change my life, God. Help me to know you. Lord, I ask, would you change my heart, soften my heart, where I've been hard, where I've been critical, where I've been cold. Lord, I pray you would change my heart. And Lord, I pray you would forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, for just living how I want. Lord, I want to please you. So I ask, I just invite you to come into my life and help me to be the person you created me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you've known Jesus, <laughs> uh, I just want you to know, Jesus is not looking down his nose at you. His arms are wide open to you. He is your friend. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your acceptance. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your patience with us, Lord. Right now, we just ask and invite you to come and invade our thoughts, invade our hearts. Lord, we pray that when we open our eyes, we would have them fixed on you, on your ways. And Lord, we pray as we, as we just make these, this decision today to follow you in this series, Jesus is. Lord, we pray you'd help us, strengthen us, empower us as we're getting our eyes on you, Jesus. Transform our lives. Huh. Fill us with joy in knowing you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to say thank you so much for being here today. What a privilege it is to, to uh, be your pastor and walk with you into this year. We just want to say we love you. Carla and I, we just love you. We want to say thank you for all the Christmas greetings that we got. Uh, I know many of you sent cards and, and text messages and so on and, and phone calls. And we know lots of you just thinking of us. And we just want to say, you know what, we're just so humbled. We're just so humbled. And we just want you to know we have our hearts fixed on Jesus. He's got good things for in store for us this year. Let's get our eyes on him. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.